Welcome to episode seven of The Soundtable. I'm your host, Austin, and I'm joined by our co-host, Miranda. Hello. Today, it's going to be a nice chill episode. It's just us two in the studio, and we're going to be focusing on 10 things that I wish I knew earlier in my production career. So this episode is going to be a lot of me yapping, but I'm sure you're going to interject as you do. Yep, yep, yep. That's why you're here, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so it's going to be nice. Kick back, relax. We're going to talk about 10 things that I wish I would have known or found out earlier in my career. So let's jump into that. Let's just dive right in. So the first thing that I have on my notes, and this is probably the thing that like has discouraged me the most over all the years I've pr- been producing. And if you haven't heard the story of how I started as a producer, whoever is listening, you can go back and check out the first episode of this podcast where we kind of talk about how long I've been producing, how long make pop music has existed. We talk about all of that. So I'm not going to go into a ton of that, but throughout the you know six, seven years that I have been producing and the majority of that being full time, I've really had to like learn how to not get too excited about potential projects. Like I've Mm -hmm. had a lot of DMs or I've had a lot of like, let's collaborate, let's link up, let's use this song for X, Y, Z. And earlier in my career, earlier into me just producing, every time I would hear something, I would get so excited. I'd be like, oh my God, this song is going to be submitted to Selena Gomez or oh my God, this song is going to be co-written with X, Y, Z. And 99% of the time that just always falls through, especially being an independent producer. Like I'm not on a publisher, I'm not under a label. It used to really, really discourage me where like I would feel like I would make all these really fire songs and I would hear all of these potential things that we could be doing with them. And then I'd sit around for months and I'd never hear anything. And at that time, I just didn't really know how common it was for people to just, I guess, kind of think out loud with what they're wishing to do with a project not necessarily what's like actually potential for that or like what's already kind of been set up. And so it was really weird. Like it can be really discouraging to constantly hear like, oh yeah, we're going to ship this out to blank blank or we're going to, you know, pitch this to XYZ. So it's just one of those things of like, if you're starting, you're going to hear a lot of, I don't even want to say empty promises because I feel like that kind of sounds like malicious. Yeah. But just like, I don't know, getting your hopes up. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot of like wishful thinking, I guess I should say. There you go. You know, like there's a lot of times that like I have wishful thinking. I'll be like, oh, I did this song. Maybe it'll get this artist to feature on it. Or maybe it'll get this kind of playlist on Spotify. And it's one of those things of like, I'm the producer at the end of the day. I'm not that artist manager. I'm not an A&R. Like I only have so much control over where my projects go and Mm -hmm. who I work with. So if you're listening to this, just be prepared to hear a lot of things that sound really, really, really exciting But don't get too excited until you actually hear that song release and see your name on the credits and have it registered under your pro because it it might not happen. It's probably not going to happen. And that's totally fine. But I spend a lot of time, I think, just like sitting around, wasting time, kind of waiting on projects to happen. And I have a a handful of really, really good songs that then I never ended up pitching to any actual achievable artist because I was sitting around waiting for it to go to Troy Sivan or Selena Gomez or something like that. And Obviously, it never did. Yeah, and then it discourages you, I feel like, too. It does. I'm like, I'm making all this fire music that all these people, like, you feel like you build these connections and these connections. And, like, I'm not saying that everybody that you meet or that you talk to won't be who they say they are, but they might not have the same amount of pool that is kind of being understood by you. Like, Mm -hmm. they might not be able, just because they have a record with Justin Bieber does not mean that they're going to get a record that you work on with them to Justin Bieber. Right. So just keep that in mind when you're 
when you're working as a producer or as an artist or as an engineer, it's like, there's going to be a lot of opportunities that you feel like come and go. But a lot of the time, those were, I don't want to say like unrealistic expectations, but they were kind of like, you know, wishes, not Mm -hmm. necessarily like specific visions for that. So Mm -hmm. that would be the first thing that I think it does get discouraging, but you know, we, we work in a business that is full of no's. So you kind of just have to get used to that. Otherwise you're just going to constantly get discouraged. I think that the second thing that I have learned over the years, and I'm kind of still learning this is, uh, it's the motto buy once cry once. It's like whenever I want to buy gear or whenever I want to invest in something, it's totally understandable that like as a beginner, especially when, you know, we were broke college students, Mm. I didn't have the money to buy the really nice set of monitors or the upgraded interface or the $2,000 guitar or the $4,000 microphone. Yeah. I'm like, that's understandable. But there have been things in my career that if I would have saved a little bit more or invested a little bit more or just cared a little bit more, I probably could have saved myself the hassle. I have gone through so much gear that I kind of started with. I don't have like almost any of the gear I started with because I would just get the bare minimum. And like, yeah, it worked for me. But at the same time, what are you going to do when you keep buying $200 interfaces, $400 microphones, and then you just keep upgrading those and upgrading those? It just gets so expensive. You are low-key like that, though, with everything. I know. <laughs> like, not just gear. It's like any, like, house stuff, clothes, like, any anything. Like, you name it. You're kind of like that with stuff. Yeah, I've gotten and better. And I'm the opposite. Well, it's because it's like, number one, it's wasteful. It's wasteful of yeah. money and it's wasteful of product. It's like why would I buy something if I can only use it a couple times Mm -hmm. or if I'm only going to have it for a year or two? And so like, I've really tried to get better about if I'm going to buy a new interface, I'm going to put as much time and attention into that. And especially if your finances are kind of in order, it's good to kind of shop without a budget in mind and instead shop with your needs in mind. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds super privileged, but it does save you more money in the long run because right now I'm I'm about to upgrade my interface. And the new interface that I'm using is, maybe twenty four or $2,500. But I've also probably gone through about $2,000 worth of interfaces of just trying different things, not working out, wanting to upgrade, needing more ins and outs. Same with microphones. I have a whole closet full of mics that I literally never touch because now I have a couple really, really solid ones that I use every single day. And it's, yeah, I guess it's just like invest the time into researching what your needs are and invest the time into finding and purchasing items that are going to serve you in the long haul. We're always going to want upgrades. We're always going to want new monitors. We're always going to want nicer treatment. But it's one of those things of like, if you can afford to not cheap out, I think that you save yourself a lot of hassle because getting new gear is expensive. It takes a lot of time. It fucks up your workflow. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have to do that, I think just buy once, cry once and just get it out of the way. Yeah, that's hard though for beginners. It is. That's what I'm saying is like, I mean- I'm not going to sit here and act like I was working in a $200,000 studio when I started. No. I was just using like a Focusrite interface and a Sterling microphone. But it's one thing to use the basics. But then once you start upgrading from those, keep those upgrades in mind. Like, do you really need to upgrade? And if you are going to upgrade, how much more of, of quality are you getting? And that was the thing. I think that I would upgrade, but I wouldn't necessarily upgrade to the level that I should. I was more so moving laterally. Or maybe I feel like to you should just do more research yeah like because something can be a good price and not necessarily be like not an upgrade like something can be only a little bit more expensive than what you have but if you do the research it might just be a way better product or it might be fit your needs more or whatever it is exactly but you can be a little bad about not researching stuff yeah i just get like (laughs) on these manic sprees where i'm like i want a new camera i want a new microphone i want new monitors and i'll just 
I'll think about it for like a day and then I'll, I'll just go buy it. And then normally like within a few months, I'm like, fuck, why did I do that? I wish yeah. I would have done that a little bit more justice and researched it a little bit more. So if you are getting started, it's okay to get excited by gear, especially if you can afford it. Like don't go into debt for it, but do a little bit of research. And if the product that you truly need is more expensive, just invest in it instead of trying to cut corners because you're going to end up fucking yourself in the long run. And you're going to end up going and buying that more expensive product, whether it's one year, two years, three years later, doesn't matter. You're going to end up getting to the same point almost always. The next thing that I want to talk about is something that I actually figured out through like make pop music, not necessarily me being a producer, but I feel like this will help a lot of people because we live in kind of the digital age of content and garnering attention and gathering eyes and viewers and communities. And that is, you have to be able to balance making content or making music to get new audiences and then alternate that with things to keep your audience that you have gotten. And so I've learned this with like the YouTube channel. I want to try new things every so often. And every video that we have is not going to be a how to make a weekend style or how to make an Ariana Grande style video where we're getting half a million views and thousands of downloads and, and tons and tons of comments but at the same time, I don't necessarily want to only do that because it gets a little bit stale and a little bit boring. And so like what we figured out doing with the YouTube channel, with our Facebook group, even with like myself as a producer, is I like to mix things up and kind of like split my time between doing things that are kind of like expected within my lane or my realm or my brand because the audience that has invested their time into us or into me as a producer or into me as an artist, that's what they expect. Like, mm. I don't want them to always have to, you know, digest something new. But at the same time, like, if you're ever wanting to expand your audiences or you're ever wanting to kind of get to that next level, you do have to kind of figure out where you can slide into other lanes. And so if you watch our YouTube channel, you'll kind of notice that, you know, once a month, maybe twice a month or kind of intermittently, we'll do those those more kind of entertaining style, how to make XYZ artist. Those are really, really good for gathering new attention. All of those videos I think do the best because we have a lot of like non-producers and non-musicians watch them mm -hmm. because they're entertaining. But at the same time, I want to build a community of producers and songwriters and artists. So I'm not necessarily always trying to do that thing that somebody might just watch on the couch with their boyfriend or girlfriend or, or their friend and be like, oh, this is a cool video. Did you see this like random guy make this song in this style? Mm -hmm. I want things that can actually help producers and songwriters. So that's why we also do the how to mix a vocal, you know, how to write a chorus, things like that that are a lot more oriented in the actual art form and and technical side of things. But with that said, the music market is so saturated and it's kind of in, in the scope of like general entertainment especially for YouTube. It's not a huge market. Like I can't have the same amount of subscribers as somebody that does like reaction videos or mm -hmm. pranks or something like that where like everybody wants to see that for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yours is more niche. Right. So mm -hmm. with me having a niche market, I have to find ways to kind of make easily digestible um, mass content. And so like inserting an artist and making something in that style is a really good way for me to get in front of those eyes. But then if I do that all the time, I feel like my channel is not really that helpful. You know, right. like- so if you're an artist and you're making TikToks or if you're a producer and you're trying to like upload your beats to YouTube, just keep that in mind of like, you have to try new things to get new followers and make them followers. But then once you have them, you need to be consistent because otherwise they're going to be like, this dude just does everything. You know, mm -hmm. it's like always something new. I don't want to follow that. It's boring. Mm -hmm. Let's slide into the fourth thing that I wish I knew earlier in my career. This one's going to be 
funny. This one's mm. going to probably be confusing for some people because it's going to seem contradictory. And that is just stop taking advice from everybody. Like, <laughs> I know this sounds like bullshit coming from of a company that literally makes their living off of like giving advice and doing tutorials and tips and shit like that. But like, I'll dive into this a little bit more because I feel like it is a little confusing. But when I was getting started... I was very big into like being on the groups and the forums and posting everything and kind of getting feedback. And like, don't get me wrong, I got a lot of really good feedback that I learned from. But you also get like a lot of really shit feedback that kind of sets you back. So there were, you know, spells of months or even years that I was doing these things in my process because some random person on the internet had told me on some random production that I had done to do this or to try this. And then it was in my workflow. And then after like reevaluating, I was like, that's not really that helpful for me. You yeah. know, like I just listened to blind advice from somebody that I don't know, mm-hmm. somebody that I don't know or respect or admire their work. Like, yeah. why would I listen to that? Yeah. And so- Especially with music, it's so personal. It is. Like I hear mixes all the time from some of the biggest mixing engineers or productions from production, mm-hmm. you know, powerhouses that I'm just like, not feeling it. Oh, like, same. You if they me. were to ask me for critiques, I would have a lot. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I'm very picky with mixes, even like top forty like radio hits. I'm right. like, eh, mid. I don't like it. So it just like it just just shows. It really does. And like, I think I think the biggest thing to kind of keep in mind is like, it's really good to get objective feedback, but do that from mm-hmm. a small group of peers who you admire and respect. Right. Yeah. Like, you don't want everybody feeling like they can throw a solicited opinion at you because it gets exhausting. You're going to have one person telling you the vocals are too quiet. You're going to have one person telling you that the vocals are way too loud. You're going to have one person telling you that they hate the arrangement. You'll have another one telling you that it's the coolest thing they've ever heard. So it's like find people that you can trust and who you think kind of understand your vision to help you perfect what you want to do but don't necessarily be a vessel for everybody to just kind of pump their feedback into. Yeah. And you just blindly follow. It's cool to take advice, but if you post something on a random internet group and somebody posts a comment, you do not need to consider that comment. Yeah. It's okay if it seems cool and you want to try it out. Try it out. Use your own brain. Use your own judgment. Be a critical thinker. Don't necessarily just take everything that you hear online or everything that you see in a YouTube video and think, yeah, that's going to work for me every time because I promise you it's not. You just got to take it, what is it? Take it with a pinch of salt. You don't have to take everything to heart or like listen to everyone fully. Like you can just take little bits of what people say or you can tell them to fuck off and not have to listen to anything. Don't actually tell people to fuck off. No, you fuck <laughs> it. depends. You don't like, have to listen to anything people say, you know? Yeah, I just think too that like, I mean, we live in an age where everybody can give an opinion about Ugh, everything. And everyone wants to give their opinion about everything. You don't have to have an opinion on everything either. Well, but. and like- The thing is, too, is that I've noticed a really common theme where almost every piece of very, very critical feedback that in my soul, I just like vehemently disagree with. I'm like, that is shit advice. Yeah. I then go to look at the person and they have not done literally a single thing. And if they have anything on their profile or on their page or on their YouTube channel, it's fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. So like- Just keep in mind who you're listening to and who you're taking advice from. If you're taking advice from somebody, make sure that you like what they do. Because there's going to be a lot of people give advice where you're like, I would not listen to you. I I hate how your shit sounds. So why would I listen to what you're telling me to do to my own stuff? Exactly. So just keep that in mind. I know it gets confusing with everybody giving an opinion about everything, but find a group of like peers that understand you and and have a circle that you can share with. Don't necessarily have, you know, 200 people telling you exactly what they would do on your mix. That's just not conducive. No, it's going to drive you crazy. It will. It's like super fast too. All right, transitioning into something a little bit deeper. Oh. This is number five. And that is that I wish that I would have known earlier in my career that like my job and my passion is not necessarily like 
my entire life's purpose or like my entire mm. self-worth. That's a great one. I know it's going to get a little deep for a minute, but it's weird when you have a job that is considered pretty universally to be like a really fucking cool job. Like yeah. everybody, if you're a music producer and you're self-sustaining or you're writing songs for artists, everybody's like, that's crazy. That's so cool. Like you can literally do art for a living, make a good living, be your own boss. And like you work with creative people and it can be really easy for you to just think, I love my job. I'm very good at my job. Everybody else thinks my job is really, really cool. And that job ends up becoming your entire personality or your entire self-worth. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is when you're going through a slump or when you hit writer's block or burnout or something happens and you just kind of have like a passion change, you don't really know how to deal with things because not only now are you having to deal with like the fallout from not being productive at your actual job, but now you also feel like you're kind of worthless because yeah. you've attached so much value to what you do and how good you are at what you do. You don't necessarily have that confidence outside of that to be like, it's totally fine if I'm having a rough spell right now. It's totally fine if I write shit songs for a month or two. Mm -hmm. I'll come back to it. I just need to get it out and it'll be right back. Like it's just a job. It's just music. It's not that serious. Nobody's going to die. It's totally fine. Yeah. Placing all your value in one thing. And then when you can't do that one thing is yeah. how you fuck yourself up. Literally. I like, knew so many producers during the pandemic that like yeah. producing was their entire life and specifically working in sessions with people. That was like how they got their energy, how they made their money, how they impressed people, how they made connections. Mm -hmm. And then during the pandemic, they couldn't see anybody. They couldn't hang out with anybody. They couldn't do in-person sessions. And I mean, they just like spiraled because yeah, they felt understand. like they had literally no purpose and no self-worth whatsoever. Right. And it's really scary. And it's, it's really, really easy to do when you have a job that like everybody thinks is really, really cool. You know, it's well, one thing to be like, yeah, I, I am a cashier at a store. Like, I don't give a shit about my job. Like my job is not who I am. Yeah. But when especially if you're running a business as being somebody like self-employed yeah, and it takes up almost all of your free time for the first several years and all of your brain capacity. It's really, really hard to end up separating yourself from like, I love music. I love making music, whether I make money from it or not. It's really great that I do get to make money from it. But at the same time, like it's okay if I don't want to make music right, right. now. Right. It's not all that I am is making right. music. I think it's hard when you have a creative job because you like doing what, like, if you're making music, you like making music. It's creative. It's fun for you. But then when you place all your value in that is also your job. Like, what are you supposed to do outside of that? That's well, that why I think it gets thing. hard. That was my thing is I would always be like, oh, I'm a little burnt out from like this being a job. I want to do it creatively. But then like. Can't do that either. You're it's weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, well, if I'm going to be in the studio anyway, I might as well be like taking a project or yes. making money from it. And it's really important to separate that. Like you can still have a passion. That passion can be your job, but you need to be able to separate it from not being a job when you don't want it to be. That's what I think is hard is when you have a job that is art that also makes you money. It's like, e, where do you, where do you draw the line? Cause you're always like, well, I could be making money. Yeah, you have to have a boundary of like, I'm going into the studio for me. This is, nobody's ever going to hear this. Yeah, you've gotten better at that though. If they do, they do. Yeah, and it's because I have more time now and like yes. we're financially more stable. We have a lot more like long-term passive income. That's mm -hmm. fine. But like, 
even just on the self-worth thing. I remember if I would go through like a slump or a dry spell or clients wouldn't be rolling in or I didn't love my projects, I was just like cripplingly depressed because I was like, I don't even like what I'm fucking working on. And that's like my entire being. And if I don't like that, then what the fuck am I even doing? Yeah. And so it's just really important. I know that kind of a little deep and a little serious, but but I do think it's important because- I don't know. I would all, all, most people that I meet that are producers full time. It's like their entire personality, their entire being. Like, right? Th- I don't know if they know who they are outside of being a great producer, and that's it's sad. Because most people have you have your job, and then you have your your interest and your hobbies. But your job is also your interest and your hobby. Yep. So it's hard to like separate the two. Right, especially because most of the people got into this for it to not be a job, you know, yeah, like most this was a creative out. outlet. And so yes. like having that creative outlet kind of become like, kind of like ransom for a, like a contract at the end of the day mm-hmm. is just a, it's a weird dynamic to navigate. I don't think it helps when you have people in your life that only come into your life when they need something from you musically. It's a really good point because we're, I mean, this is actually is a great segue into our next topic, but There will be a lot, as you get really good at what you do, there will be a lot of people that, whether it's maliciously or inadvertently, they will try to use you. Yeah. Where you'll get the DMs when they need something done. You'll get the phone call when they have an idea for a song. And it's never like a, normally at least, it's not like a, hey, I have this idea. I know we haven't talked in months. It'll be like a, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? Let's hang out. And then all of a sudden you're hanging out with them for two hours and they're like, oh yeah, I'm wanting to make more music. And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, there it is. There's why you haven't talked to me in three months. Yeah. And then that makes you be like, okay, cool. So you only value me as a person when you need something from me from my job. And then that makes you feel like shit. Yep. Like that's a shitty thing to do. Don't do that to people. Set those boundaries. Yes, set boundaries. Especially if it's somebody who is a friend or a family member or somebody really important to your life. Set that boundary of like, I I can work on your projects. When I do, that's professional. When it's not, we can be friends. But like, if we're going to be friends, I want to communicate regularly. Mm -hmm. And if we're just going to be, you know, producer and client or producer and artist, that's also totally fine. We'll have a contract. We'll be cordial and like, we'll be professional and get in and get out and get it, get it done. It's a great point though. Um, That's actually a a great segue into my sixth point. And that is that making artists feel comfortable and making artists feel like trusted and forming a connection with them. I think it's like the most important aspect of producing because I see a lot of producers who make really, really cool work, especially by themselves, but like they're never able to form that relationship with artists that they work with. Mm-hmm. And same with artists finding managers or producers is like, you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. You're trusting each other with art. You're trusting each other with money. You're trusting each other with creative vision. It's really important to be able to to kind of be friends on a certain level. Friendly. Friendly with a lot of the people that you work with. It makes the projects better. I would say that all, all of my favorite projects I've ever done are people that I just kind of found naturally and they kind of became friends and mm-hmm. friends through music. Like going back to what you said, our relationship was built on service, right? Yeah. Like they needed me as a producer. But now I have so many people that I've met through the YouTube channel or through producing for them or through friends of friends where- yeah, I might get a message that they want to work on something or that they need something. But I'll also get 20 messages in between that checking in on me, yeah. seeing how I'm doing, wanting to meet up for lunch if I'm in their town. Like mm-hmm. I have artists that I talk to 
every other day. And it's almost never about music. And I think that when you can have that connection with somebody, that's a really, really deep thing. And then when you get into the studio, you feel so much more comfortable with them, right? Yeah. And then it makes everything easier. Every time I collaborate with somebody, like the projects that I feel really comfortable with and I feel like I trust the artist, they trust me. We have a good line of communication where if I overstep or if they overstep or if we're going in the wrong direction, we can communicate that without being awkward. That's the best thing. So when you are like making your connections or meeting people or working with artists, go the extra mile and like get to know them as a person. Yeah, at the end of the day, you want to do your job and you want to get paid and you want to do a good job. But if you need to sacrifice an hour of that session to kick back, share stories, you know, do something fun, go out to lunch, the other six hours of that session are probably going to go a lot better than if you just lock yourself in there and try to just be super, super like thoroughly professional and almost like cold, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, yeah, I'm here to do my job. I just want to like focus in and do it. Nobody wants that. That's fucking boring. Like we're making music at the end of the day. It all goes off of feeling. It all goes off of emotion. And you kind of want that to be flowing with whoever you're working with. Otherwise it just feels really corporate and stale and it's not very fulfilling and it's super, super, super boring. The next thing that I want to talk about, and this is kind of like expanding on what we were talking about with our your job not being your purpose or your self-worth and like finding that balance between being friendly and connecting with artists and with clients and with collaborators and still having boundaries is like, for the longest time, I was not strict enough with like my scheduling or deadlines or boundaries and... I don't think people always mean it, but if there are not boundaries drawn and if there are not, you know, examples and guidelines set, I feel like people will start to sway out of that inadvertently. Like when, when you're getting started, it's okay to have a schedule. It's okay to tell somebody who paid you for a project. Like, Hey, I saw that you emailed me at nine o'clock last night. I don't return emails outside of, you know, 10 AM to 6 PM. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't work on Saturdays and Sundays. So don't expect something like, again, this is your job or this is your hobby or something like that. It's not your entire life, right? right? So like- You don't owe them 20, you're not like 24, 7, 365. Like, right. that's not part of hiring a producer. You don't get them all the time. That's and ridiculous. I used, to, I used to be like that. I used you to be did, like, oh, yeah. well, if they're giving me $2,000, like they deserve me to answer every single text or every single email or every single- you know, want and need. And at the end of the day, it's like, I do want to accommodate people that I'm working with. I want it to all flow pretty seamlessly. But at the same time, don't fucking message me at 1030 on a Saturday night about your project. I'm not doing it. Well, and as long, like, it's okay to message or email somebody as long as you're not expecting a response. Like if you email somebody at 9 p.m. on a Friday night and then you get pissed off and then email you back until a Monday, then yeah, you're being a dick. But if you're just like, oh, because a lot of time I'll send an email late at night just because I'm like, if I don't remember to do this right now, I'm never going to remember to do it. For sure. But I don't ever expect a response unless it's like within a certain amount of business days and within a certain amount of hours. And I feel like people, I feel like producers specifically don't think like that. Like they don't think, oh, I should have a set amount of hours and a set amount of time where I respond to things. Like a lot of people feel like they need to be available 24 seven and that's just unrealistic and unhealthy. Right. And not just that, but like being more strict about like setting deadlines. When you start a project with an artist or if you're an artist, when you start a project with a producer, have some deadlines in place and do your best to stick to them. Because as a producer, I'm working on 10, 20 things at one time. I can't have every single fucking artist that I'm working with push deadlines back by a week. I'll never get anything done. And then it fucks everything. (laughs) Right, then I'm not able to book more projects. So now you're messing with my paper. It's just like not good. Like I, I need things to be structured and organized because the more organized that things are, the more you have structure and deadlines and, and boundaries, 
the less you have to talk about shit like that. The more you can focus on the creative side or mm-hmm. connecting emotionally or, you know, having fun conversations that don't revolve around the project. So just keep that in mind. Like, I know it's a little bit awkward to kind of set a boundary or put somebody in their place or even communicate, hey, like that's not an appropriate time for you to be calling me with a mixed revision. Right. Like, you know, th- these are my hours. You wouldn't go to, you know, a Publix at 11 at night and expect them to open up so you could get, you know, a loaf of bread. Publix is a grocery store that we have in Florida. And for yeah. those who don't know, and it is south of Publix, Winn-Dixie, what are the, Ralph's, Whole Foods. <laughs> You're naming like the most random grocery I'm stores. Just like, I'm trying to go regional here, Oh, I babe. guess you can't say Walmart because Walmart's open like 24-7. Right. Okay, well, that's fair. But like- yeah, like businesses have hours. People like have hours. And, I, you know, if I if I do get back to you outside of that, that's fine. It's because I was sitting there, I saw it, and I had the time to do it. Mm-hmm. That's not the expectation. You could also have even your hours at the bottom of your email, like in your signature. That's what I have. Yeah, I was going to say that's what Austin has. And that can make it a little bit easier. So then you don't feel like you have to say it. Grant, So that, you know, you know, hey, it's there. I don't have to say it. I also put in all my contracts. Like, yes. and, and I talk about it whenever I have my consultation calls. I'm just like, hey, just letting you know, I'm in the studio typically Monday to Friday, mm-hmm. 10 a.m. to 6. Um, sometimes if you send something, I'll respond or I'll let you know that I got your stems or something, but don't really expect much outside of those hours. Those are the hours that I dedicate to projects. And yeah. that's totally fine. Like that's, it is what it is. They're no going to get their song done by the deadline. They don't need to be talking to me at at 9.30 on a Tuesday. Yeah, no one's had a problem with it. So, And if they do, then maybe don't work with that person. That might be a red flag. Red flag central. Yeah, really. The next thing that I kind of want to dive into, and this is something that I still have a lot of trouble with, that I'm (laughs) I'm trying to learn from. So this is kind of just going to be me manifesting this to myself to stop doing this, is uh, don't try to make every single idea that you have come to life. At some point you have to like narrow down your goals. Mm. And so there's a lot of the time that I'll get these like big grand visions of like things to do with make pop music or artists that I can try to collaborate with or releasing music as a solo artist where I'll just like get these ideas and I'll get kind of manic about them and I'll run with them. And as soon as that like initial spark dies off, now I've dedicated a shit ton of time to something that I I really deep down like don't care about or don't have the time or the effort to follow through with. And instead, I could have focused that time on something that I do have developed that, you know, the time would have been better invested. I see a lot of people that are like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to make three beats every day and I'm going to make two YouTube videos every day and I'm going to do a TikTok every day and I'm going to DM five random cold clients every day. And it's just like set realistic expectations. And like every time you have a, a business idea or a marketing idea or an idea to do this like concept album scale back and say like, is this actually achievable? And if so, is this really what I want to be doing? Because Mm -hmm. I'll just get these cool ideas all the time where I'd be like, oh, we can make a sample pack like this, or we can make a course like this, or Mm -hmm. I can make a plugin like this, or I could not have a studio in my house and build a million dollar facility 20 minutes away from my house. Then I have to step back and be like, why dude? Like focus on the shit that you already have. Go, You already have a full plate. Stop trying to bite off more than you can chew. And if you are going to do it, make sure that it's something that is actually fulfilling. Like it's not just something that was a cool idea that you got a little bit manic about and tried to, you know, dive down. I'm I'm really, really bad about that. Yeah. Well, in your defense, I think it's, I'm bipolar. Just say it. <laughs> just say it. I don't want to like out you. I feel yeah. know that, but I don't want to sound rude. But it's, no. it is like part of it is a mental ill, like a mental illness. It's not just right. like you're just like this quirky little dreamer who has all these unrealistic expectations. Like it is kind of just how your chemicals in your brain are a little bit. Like you get just manic about some things and really excited, which is very 
amazing, but sometimes you get your little head in the clouds and then you disappoint yourself because you think you want to do this thing or you come up with this grand idea that then you realize you can't do and then you get disappointed. Yeah. So yeah, that is definitely kind kind of like a, a thing you need to work on, I guess. Not like an issue, but... Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening though that will be bipolar or have severe ADHD. Yeah, I was going to say, it's will not just, just have, bipolar. Like, dreams of grandeur where they're just like, yeah, I could do this. Yeah. In six months time, I should have a project with this artist or I can build a commercial studio or I can upgrade to a $20,000 vocal chain. It's just like... See it through, you know, if you have an Take idea. Take a step back a yeah. little bit. <laughs> Look at it objectively, come up with a realistic plan of how to get there. And if it doesn't add up, then it's okay to just be like, fuck, that was a cool idea. Somebody else will do it. Right. Maybe you'll do it later in life. Who knows? Yeah, there's plenty of time, but yeah. not everything needs to be done right now. And like, it's good to develop that discipline to be like, that's a cool idea. It's not realistic for me in this moment. Mm-hmm. It's not a good use of my time and my resources. So I'm just going to pass on it. Yeah. And, uh. It's it's tough, especially when you have, you know, mental illnesses that make everything seem doable. Right. But at the same time, you're not really doing a service to yourself or anybody or any of your previous goals when every time you get a new idea, you work on it and then abandon it and then work on it and then abandon it. And your long-term ideas never actually get anywhere because you keep getting sidetracked by all these stupid fucking side quests that you're never going to complete anyway. Mm-hmm. I know it's it's weird, but it's just one of those things that like you do have to kind of develop the discipline of because there's going to be a lot of plates to balance. Mm-hmm. Number nine, we've talked about this with the Burnout Podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, th- that was honestly a lot of people's favorite that we've done. So go wow. listen to that. I think that might've been episode- Three? Three, I think so. Um, but it's just like learning to step away when your tank is empty. I used to just like put my head down and just like try to tough out through it and just be like, oh, it's fine. Good ideas will come or it's fine. I'll get energy when I get into the studio or like, it's fine. I can just take this project. I'll figure out how to get it done. And just sometimes it's just better to just scale back a little bit and be like, no, I'm going to take a little bit of time for myself. I'm going to take a little bit of time to kind of reset my clock, fill up my tank, get back to it. And then I can, I can kind of put my head down and get shit done. But again, as we've kind of talked about a lot throughout this, not only this episode, but just the podcast in general, it's really hard when the potential seems infinite, right? Like, especially being a producer, it's like, I could work with every artist I could ever dream of, or I could work with every brand I've ever dreamed of, or I could, you know, get every piece of gear I've ever thought of. If all I do is just put my head down and work and work and work and just tough it out and put in the hours and grind. And it's like, that's cool. But like, you also want to live to see all that shit actually happen. You're also a human. You can't just do that. You don't want to work yourself into a mental spiral or like literally Mm -hmm. physically sick because you're so exhausted. Yes, which has happened to you before. Yeah, and it's just like, again, it's not, it kind of ties into the last thing that we talked about where like you're not doing anybody any favors by just trying to like do everything on your mind and just tough shit out and like get it done. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to step back, step back. You need to scale back. You need to just realize like, it's okay to take a little bit of time for myself. It's okay if I want to take two weeks without booking a project, as long as, you know, you can afford it. Right. Um, It's okay. Like sometimes you have to invest a little bit of time into yourself. You just can't force things. And you actually have to mean it when you say it's okay. Because you can pretend like, oh yeah, it's fine. I'm taking a day off. But if you're sitting there and beating yourself up the entire day being like, oh, I'm so lazy. I should have worked like blah, blah, blah. And you're treating yourself like shit. Then you're not actually taking a relaxing mental health day. You're beating yourself up over something that you can't control. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a super, super good distinction because that's something that 
I was always really bad about it. I'd be like, yeah, yeah I'm going to take an off day. And then the entire off day, I'm like, fuck, I have 14 emails to return. I have three projects that need to be sent out. I have this collaboration that needs to be exactly. checked in on. And it's like, dude, that's not resting. That's just panicking. That's yeah. just like not actually doing any work and thinking about it's all the work. It's literally the worst out. thing you could do. Like at that point, just go do the fucking work. Yeah, really. Like, so if you're going to take an off day, learning, and again, this even ties back into our other point where it's like separating your value and your worth from your job. Mm. It's like, have other things that you like to do. Connect with people outside of work. Like, take time for yourself. Go out and take a walk in nature. Like, step out of your dark studio mm-hmm. and go live your life a little bit because I I promise you it's going to make your job a lot easier. Whether you're doing this as a hobby, semi-professionally or professionally, it's just yeah. like, once you burn out, it takes a long time to get completely over burnout. It's way easier to just take an off day every now and then and completely avoid the burnout. Yes. Because once you hit that point, you are so fucking low and depressed. You're just like, I don't, it, it feels like I'm never going to get the energy to get back into this. Yeah, exactly. Something that could have taken a day or two or maybe even a week could now take a month because you- Or a year. I see yeah, people that are burnt out for that's years. That's true because like, you just like freaking ran yourself into the ground and drove yourself crazy. So be proactive about it. Be And again, this even kind of ties into being strict with your schedule. Oh my God. We, it's like all these points tie in together. I know. I should have made this point number 10. I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to screw up all of this flow. No, it's but okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you just have to know yourself and like everybody's got different boundaries. You know, some people have health conditions and they legitimately can only work 15, 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. If they can put in 15, 20 hours of, of good work, that's perfect for them. Some people are very motiva- motivated by work and it doesn't exhaust them physically and emotionally and they can put in 60 and feel completely fulfilled and happy about it. And that's also fine. But don't think that you're one or the other. Actually soul search a little bit and figure out who you really are. Because I always thought I was the kind that really liked working 60 hours a week and just getting shit done until I was like, why am I even doing this? You're like, really, I like not dealing with my emotions or dealing with my life and I just want to work all the time so I don't have to deal with it. Really, I'm too lazy (laughs) to actually soul search and figure out what hobbies I have outside of my job and make friends and- Well, because then it's scary, like realize, like- trying to find your value outside of something that you know has value. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's scary. It's like, ooh, I don't want to do that. Yeah, let this be your sign to step away every now and then, take a little time for yourself. Take it's okay. Take an off day, guys. It's okay. Nothing bad is going to happen from you taking care of yourself. Probably actually the opposite. Probably the opposite. <laughs> What's our 10th point? The 10th one's a doozy. a doozy. This is one that I literally have just gotten good at, like mm. within the past year. Well, that just shows. It does. And it is learning how to say no to projects. Learning how to say no to a lot of things. Actually. Just learning how to say no better. in general. No, growing up always felt like a bad word. Everybody's like, don't say no. You shouldn't say no. You should embrace everything. You should embrace opportunity. It's like, well, yeah, that's like, cool. Make everybody else happy except yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, fuck that. At the end of the day, like, again, you're not serving anybody if you take every single project that comes to you. If that project is not exciting for you or fulfilling you or... Even when I was getting started, I I wasn't like bitter about projects because I desperately did just want work and money. Mm -hmm. And to me, everything felt like a learning opportunity. And it was. And it was. That's totally fine. But then I get to the point where I I don't really need learning opportunities from like a certain caliber of projects. I'm kind of just doing them to do them. Mm -hmm. And it kind of feels like a rat race. And like, I'm just taking everything under the sun because I'm too big of a pansy to just be like, no, sorry, like I don't, I'm not a good fit for that, or like, that no, make that's you a pansy. That's ve- that's like very much our society. It very is very much like make everybody else happy except yourself, even if it means that you're fucking miserable. Well, as long as everyone else is happy, and that's just the kind of person I am in general. It, like it I'm definitely really a people is. pleaser. Mm-hmm. Like I will 
lay down in a puddle so a friend can walk over me. Like, yeah. it's just it, how it is. Like, growing up, I always felt value in being very selfless and, like, giving, 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 giving. Mm-hmm. And that did translate into me not being able to say no about potential projects, specifically for the fact that, like, I didn't want to seem like an asshole, right? right like, which you don't seem like an asshole from, for saying no for, for anything. No. But especially projects. And, like, even if they do think I'm an asshole, it's like, you don't own me. Like, well, that's what I was going to say. You're not you entitled to me working on your project if no. I don't want to do it. Like, you don't owe them shit. Why? Yeah. Just because someone is interested in working with you doesn't mean that you have to work with them. Right. Like, that's great that they're interested in your craft and that— you have something that they want, but that doesn't mean that you owe them anything. Yeah, I'm always flattered. I I always appreciate it. Of course. But like at the end of the day, again, I'm not doing the song any justice. I don't really want to be working on it if I'm just doing it to Mm -hmm. do it because I didn't want to say no or because I desperately just needed the money. It's like, it's good to keep your passion kind of in place. Otherwise, you're going to quickly be like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm just doing a bunch of shit work that I don't even like because I can't say no. Yeah, and I feel like that leads to burnout because you're using it all does. of these creative ideas on projects that you don't give a shit about. So then you have no passion behind your creativity and then bam, you're burnt out as shit and you have nothing to look forward to because you're taking all these projects that you hate. Well, not just that like, too, but then that. you can't afford the time to take projects yeah. that you want to take. Like, yeah, it's just like past, a cycle. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast already, but in the past year or two, I've taken more big long-term projects that didn't have immediate payout, but they're with friends or with labels or with artists that I've been fans of for years. Mm-hmm. I've been taking those because I have the time to do that now because I'm not doing 10 projects a week right. because I just couldn't say no. And it's like, Sometimes you can offer a service by saying no. Sometimes, especially if you've connected with other producers, you can be like, hey, you know, thanks for reaching out. Not a cool fit for me, but like I um, I have somebody that I think could help you out with this. Right. And then now you're helping out your peer, you're helping out that artist and you're helping out yourself. So mm-hmm. it's like learning when to say no could be the make or break between you lasting two years as a producer or 20 years as a producer. It's just, it, it gets awkward. And I know that there's like that scarcity to mindset of like, I don't want to say no because if projects are coming in, projects are coming in. And yeah. that might not always be the case, but it's like, you have to trust the system. There are so many musical projects in the world that are going to need writers and producers and mixers. There are so many casual listeners that are always going to want to find new artists. There is a place in the market for you. You don't have to have a stranglehold on it by saying yes to everything Mm -hmm. because it's just, it's going to deter long-term progress. Like you're just really, really not going to get anywhere doing the busy work because you just, you felt really uncomfortable just saying no, like it's fine. It is a-okay. It is. And those are the 10 things that, that I wish I would have learned. And some of these might seem like common sense to some, some of these might seem like things that you know in your head, but you're not really doing. Maybe it's a sign. And some of these things <laughs> might have never crossed people's mind. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, if you were listening, you got something from this podcast. I know we got a little deep in some spots. We got a little silly in some spots, but it's just one of those things where it's like the only way that you learn these things is by doing it yourself over time. And my 10 may not be the same as somebody else's 10 that have been doing this for oh, seven course, or 10 yeah. or 20 years. That's what's so cool about it. Yeah. You people learn. are different people. Yeah. People work differently. They feel differently. We all have our own emotions and personalities. And hopefully if you can listen to this and even get one thing that you should be like, oh, I need to be proactive about that. I'm early in my career. I need to make sure that I pay attention to that as I go forward. Then we've done our job and I think the podcast is worth it. Definitely. Other than that, I'm really loving doing this podcast. Me too. I know we have some guests lined up. Our next one is going to be Alina from uh, Liar. 
Oh yeah, she was amazing to I'm talk so to. I'm so excited for that. So that one will be out in a couple of weeks. Other than that, we're lining up our next batch of guests. We're lining up our next batch of solo episodes. So we're gonna keep putting these out. If you're liking this podcast, I cannot stress this enough. Let us know that you're enjoying it by liking it, rating it, leaving a review, commenting on our Instagram post when we put up new episodes because that kind of support really does help us dedicate the time to doing this. This is one of those things that years ago, this felt like one of those ideas that I talked about in that tip where I was mm-hmm. like, you can't take on every cool idea that comes to you. And eventually I thought about it so much, we just had to do the podcast. And well, we made, the, we made the time really. Too. Right. We, yeah. we knew that we had to make the time because we yeah. wanted to do it. Yeah. And it's a lot easier for us to keep making that time if we know that people are getting value out of it. Yeah. And I love reading your guys' comments. Yeah, we've Even had so many. Even most of the many. time, they're about Austin, but I still love reading them. They're very nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I, we're, we're really, really enjoying it. So if you like this podcast, please make sure that you like, subscribe, follow, rate, review, whatever you need to do on any of the platforms. Um, other than that, there, I don't think there's too much more to talk about. I do want to do a little segment where we can each recommend something this week. Oh, crap. So we're going to go back to our recommendations. I hope you all uh, followed the last recommendation of the solo episode. You better have. What is your recommendation for this week? You know what my recommendation is? If you've been thinking about changing something like your hair, your hair color, your haircut, whatever it is, do it. This is your sign to do it. Because I just recently changed my hair. I was blonde. Now I'm like this like gingery, coppery, blonde, strawberry blonde color, whatever the heck you want to call it. And I'm obsessed. I'm so glad I changed it. I hadn't changed my hair in like three years and I was so bored. And you know what? This is your sign. Do it. It's so much fun. Why not? It's just hair. It'll grow back. It'll grow out. You can change it back to how it was. Just do that. Love that. I think my recommendation for this week is going to be if you're in or around Orlando and maybe even California, and you have the time and the funds to do it. Oh, I know what you're going to Try going to Halloween Horror Nights. I've never been into like <laughs> horror movies or anything like that. I never really cared. But I went last year with my friend Brett and a couple of his friends that came up with him. And this year I went with my friends Brett and Grayson. And we had a really, really good time. Again, I don't like follow the horror genre or anything like that. It's not like- Like not at all. <laughs> right, like it's not like a super, like you he's, go and you see all these people that are wildly passionate about it. Yeah, and I love that for he's them. He's not even into Halloween that much. Like that's how much that he loved this. He doesn't even care about Halloween, horror movies, nothing. But it is so much fun. You see all these houses that have like all these cool set decorations. You see all the time and effort that like the scare actors put into it. You get to go ride the rides where there's like no wait. And uh, there's just a bunch of cool stuff. There's cool shows, there's cool food. So if you are in or around Orlando and I think Universal California. Pretty sure, yeah. Go do Horror Nights. I know it's expensive. I know you might be like, oh, I don't care. I don't don't get scared. Or maybe you're like, oh, I get way too scared. I promise you it's a good time. Go with people that you're going to enjoy being with and you're going to have the best night. He was out till 3 a.m., guys. That's how much he loved it. I'm still feeling it. Yeah, we were there from... (laughs) We got to City Walk in Orlando around four, had a couple drinks, got into Horror Nights around six, and then did Horror Nights until about two in the morning. And by the time we had got back to the car, dropped off Grayson, got home. Yeah, it was like 3 a.m., 3.30. And, yeah, uh, I was sound asleep. <laughs> I'm still feeling it. But if, if you have the opportunity, definitely go to Horror Nights. 
But those are the two recommendations. That's going to do it for this episode. Again, if you like this episode, please make sure that you show us some love on any of the platforms that you're listening on. You can follow us on Instagram at Make Pop Music to see all of the other cool stuff that we're doing. You can check out our YouTube channel, Make Pop Music, where we have our weekly tutorials. And then if you want to support the podcast or the company or the channels or anything like that, head over to our website, makepopmusic.com, where you can check out all of the cool stuff that we have over there. We've got some freebies. We've got some paid content really cool sample packs, preset packs, courses, MIDI packs. We've got some blog posts over there. And then we have tons and tons of freebies in our freebies app. So definitely go check that out. But that is going to do it for episode seven of The Sound Table. We will be back in a couple weeks. But until then, much, much love, love, peace. peace.